Welcome to the Kitchen Sink meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Please note, we will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. My name is Melissa C. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm visiting you guys from New York. It's truly, it's a real pleasure to be here. Um, I'm going to share my photos for those of you who don't know me. I love to share, I love to share my pictures because, um, it, well, you know what? It, um, it shows that this program works. It's a physical demonstration of what recovery looks like. And hopefully my words will back up what the physical, you know, demonstration shows. So I'm going to share my screen. Here we go. And hopefully that'll work. Okay. You're able to see them now? Okay. Super. So this is what, you know, this is what the disease looked like for me. Um, I'm pretty certain I was born a compulsive overeater, but my pictures are, you know, pretty much from my, whoops, from my adult years. So I'm going to start with these here. Um, this was 20 years ago. My daughter is now 20. She was a newborn there. And um, although I had always been a compulsive overeater and had been overweight, I thought that my pregnancy weight was certainly going to come off, right? I was going to, I was going to breastfeed this baby. I was going to nurse this baby. I was going to be an active, wonderful mom. And I would never look like this. I would lose all that pregnancy weight, right? But here I am in the pink, you know, she's older, and I clearly got larger. I did not lose that pregnancy weight. And I continued that way. There's my husband and I were out to dinner. We often went out to dinner. That's what we liked to do. Um, and, you know, um, and I would uh, try as best I could to diet. I was always dieting. I've been on a diet since I'm nine years old. Um, and I would have sometimes a little bit of success, lose some weight, always to regain it. And here I am in the red. There was a party going on in my house. I don't feel like I barely showered because that's where this disease takes me when I'm over 300 pounds. Uh, everything was a chore. It just, everything was hard and everything was a chore. And then in the picture next to, I'm on a vacation. I had lost some weight. Um, and I was really happy. I was smiling. I had a great time. And I lost my abstinence on that vacation. So probably, you know, <laughs> the next pictures of me that would be taken on that vacation, I don't know if I was smiling quite as much. I was certainly eating a lot and drinking a lot. Um, and there I am again. We're probably out to dinner again with our daughter. Um, and here I went on continuing. I was at a function for work. Um, I had lost some weight. Right. And here I am regained it. <laughs> like that's what I always did. Um, here, this picture of me in the leopard sweater. At that point, that was about what fit me. That was just about what I had left that fit me in my closet. Um, and so I wore it everywhere. Um, and my son there, he's 14 now. He's about a year, maybe. Um, I desperately wanted him I mean he is incredibly loved both my children and um I could barely hold him because of the bulk of my body it was hard to hold my own child and 
that's where this disease took me. It, it, it robbed me of the ability to hold my own baby. Um, the pictures below, I'm with my sisters. Um, I'm one of five. Um, I have, these are my sister and my sister-in-laws, which are, they're my sisters. I have a family that loves me, always loved me. And because of this disease, I always felt isolated, alone, separate. You know, I would say it was because I felt heavy and big, but it was, there was a spiritual malady inside me that blocked me from feeling the love and affection that I really had inside my heart for my family and that they had for me. And I felt like a monster next to them, detached, monster. I drank a lot to get through these events, or I ate a lot, or I spent time in the bathroom. I often would find myself at family functions in the bathroom eating, right, eating. I would have things shoved in my pocket eating. And there I am with my kids. I had lost some weight here. The picture above, I'm with my mom. And actually, this is a really happy photo. Um, I was, I had made a bas mitzvah for my daughter. My husband and I made this beautiful affair for my daughter. And I was recovered in this picture, but my body hadn't caught up yet. But I had made this gorgeous affair, beautiful catered affair for my daughter in a beautiful place with, with live meat, you know, with a band and, and, uh, tons of food, you know, a cocktail hour, a buffet. There was actually a room for dessert, all of that. And I didn't, eat anything that wasn't abstinent. I was entirely abstinent that day, and I felt phenomenally free and happy. Um, and, um, you know, and it didn't matter. I didn't feel detached and separate alone and unable to feel, you know, the love for my family. And this is me now, right? This is me for the last seven years. Um, uh, my, you know, my hair changed a little. I got a little older. Um, that, that happens too. Um, but every single one of those dresses fits me. And I know that without trying them on. They just do. Um, and that, you know, and that's miraculous. That happened to me, right? To me, not, not by me. Um, so that's what it looks like. And, um, and so, um, you know, I I like to generally say I'm certain I was born a compulsive overeater. My earliest memories were food-related. Um, I really remember at a very young age food, you know, and um, I remember what was served, I you know, and always hungering for more. Like, that was my experience with the food, that although I came from a house of plenty, there was plenty in my house. I never felt like I got my fill. I was always longing for more than what was on my plate. You know, and so, like, I, I often share this experience that Friday nights we would have a wonderful family dinner. And my mom, we lived in a fam- near a famous bakery, um, you know, in our area, a, a famous bakery. And my mom would wait on Friday mornings on a long line to buy a particular cake at this bakery. And Friday night, my mom would take the cake out. And before my slice was cut, I knew it wasn't going to be enough for me. And I remember feeling that way as a little girl, like that everybody would get their piece. And my eyes, you know, here's my plate. My eyes were always there. What's on their plate and what's left in the box? And so my life was really spent at a young age sneaking um, 
I would creep from my bedroom down the hallway in the dark. I knew which floorboards creaked. I could open up the refrigerator just a crack so the light didn't come on. And I would eat that way in the middle of the night. Um, and my parents loved me very much. They made plenty of mistakes. Um, they made, they did a lot of things, you know, wrong. Um, but anything that they did, it was always done with love. My family really loved me and they tried to regulate and control me. You know, they really did. And it was not done to be cruel. It felt cruel, but it wasn't done to be cruel. Um, and I always snuck food. And so there were always things missing and I would lay in bed on Saturday mornings, hearing the family scrambling for the cake. Like, what happened to the cake? And everybody would be yelling at each other. And I would lay in bed feeling horribly guilty, ashamed, embarrassed, knowing I'd done something wrong. Um, But I couldn't stop myself. I was powerless to this thing. And that was my experience with this disease of compulsive overeating. And it continued. You know, I suffered from morbid obesity. I had years of management and control. I would lose some weight. I lost weight as a teenager, as a preteen, got thin. And then in my high school years, I gained 100 pounds, um, which was just horrendously humiliating. I lost weight again. You know, before I met my husband, I wanted desperately to get married. (laughs) I wanted to meet a man. I wanted to get a good job. I graduated from college, and I saw all my friends getting the things that I wanted, and I believed weight was in the way. And I came to my first meeting of Old Readers Anonymous. I was handed a big book. This was in my early 20s, and I was also handed a diet. Back in that day, in that meeting, they gave you a gray sheet. And which, you know, was a great plan, actually. It really is pretty close to what I eat today. My problem was that I took the book, the big book, and I shoved it in a drawer. And instead, I worshipped abstinence. Abstinence was my God, and a food plan was my religion. It was what I did to get closer to my abstinence, to my God. And while I'm entirely abstinent today, My abstinence is just a foot in the door. That's just what I need to have a relationship with God. Um, It is not my God. It's not what I worship. And so it worked as as an early 20-year-old because the disease hadn't progressed long enough, far enough. And I lost the weight, and I met my husband, and all was well until on my honeymoon I picked up something. And I proceeded then to regain all the weight that I had lost in my early marriage. And that's a really, um, you know, as humiliating as it is to gain 100 pounds in high school, it's pretty humiliating to do that in your early marriage. It it really, it creates great difficulty. Um, I'm really blessed. My husband and I are still happily married. I'll say happily. He's like, he's got the TV on mute pretty much in the other room because I'm like, all right. I have a meeting and, and, and it makes too much noise. And, um, you know, and so we're, we, thank God we have a great rhythm of, of, of getting each other's needs met and respecting each other's, um, what we need, right? So, um, I came back to the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous when my son was a baby, um, after years of absence from this program. And the reason I came back was, um, my eating was killing me, and, and I couldn't stand being inside my body another minute. I just, 
you know, I just couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand life as a morbidly obese person. It just, it, I, I, and I knew there was something wrong with my brain. I'm a smart, I'm a smart woman. <laughs> you know, I've got, I've got advanced degrees. I've had a wonderful career. I've got a great family. I've been able to do all sorts of phenomenal things and I couldn't do this and it was killing me and I would lay in bed at night my children sleeping across the hall I adore my family and I was terrified that they were going to wake up in the morning and find their mother dead you know because the doctors had told me your blood pressure is dangerously high you're not going to make it I was 40 at the time um I'm 52 now and my you know they said um Mm, you're not gonna, you're not gonna make it. You're not gonna live to see, you know, the end of your forties because my blood pressure and everything was just horrible. And I came to the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous yet again. And, um, you know, for me, my last, my last binge, um, I ate to my mouth bled. I mean, that's just, you know, I could no longer kid myself and say that I was eating because I liked food. Or I was eating because it tasted good. Because I didn't like how it tasted in that moment. And I didn't like how it felt. My mouth hurt. It actually physically hurt. And I didn't like how it tasted. And I didn't like how I felt. But I, I felt like I had no other options left. And I started thinking, I'm, I'm really losing my mind. I can't do what I know I need to do. And I really need help. And I came and I got help. You know, and really what happened was I just, I just became entirely willing to do anything. There wasn't a food that I wasn't happy to give up, which is crazy. Like here I was, I walked in owned by candy and I never ate, I came back in and I just never ate it again. And it was removed for me. It was just removed. And I, so what I do is I work the steps of the program through the big book, you know, um, step one is that complete understanding that I am not only am I crushed by food, by my addiction to food, but, you know, in the doctor's opinion, um, there's something that I really, that I, that I, I like to really, um, five minutes. Great. That I really would like to just zone in on that. Um, it says, you know, um, I, um, it's more than just admitting I have a problem with food and specific types of food. Step one means that I embrace this specific concept that's found in the doctor's opinion. You know, and it comes at the end of the explanation about the allergy, which I missed all those years ago. I just paid attention to the allergy. But it says at the end, it says, this phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. Step one for me means that I accept and I embrace the fact that I am a distinct entity. I'm not like other people. I'm different. I'm here because I'm a different type of person. And I often say, you know, if you're, if you're struggling with that concept and you're thinking, why do I have to do all these things? This is ridiculous. Why do I have to do all this service? Why do I have to, you know, admit my defects? Why do I have to, you know, uh, you know, clean up my amends or whatever those disciplines are, whatever those 12 steps are? I say, you know, take a piece of paper, fold it in half. 
On one half of the page are people who can eat whatever they want. They don't have to weigh and measure their food. I have to weigh and measure my blueberries down to the blueberry. That's just, that's what it takes for someone like me. Um, you know, people like that, they can get angry at their boss. They can be pissed off at their kids. They can talk about their sister-in-laws. They can do all sorts of things, right? And then there's people like me. And I have a different way that I have to leave. I, I have to embrace love and tolerance is my code. Yes, abstinence is more. I loved what Pamela said. It's more than what goes in my mouth. It's what comes out of my mouth. Because I'm a distinct entity. I have a different code. I have a different way that I have to live. And I embrace that in step one. That was the key that put in the door that unlocked it. I need a power greater than me. I thank you, God. I have found a loving relationship with a creator. I found a relationship with exactly the power that I need so that I don't have to live in addiction to the food anymore. I'm a free woman. I can go anywhere. I can, I can be around food. I don't look what's beyond my plate anymore. I feel really satisfied with exactly what I have. Um, my, you know, I go to bed at night. I sleep like a baby. I don't worry that my kids are going to find me dead in the morning. I mean, life is finite. Right. I know that. But I'm not living in fear of of living a life and not living my life. I lived my life the way that I experienced that plate. I used to live it looking out the window at how everyone else was hungering to be living among the living. And I don't live that way anymore. Right. I'm really I'm here. I'm present. And um, thank you so much. I'm just grateful to be here with all of you. And I'm going to end my share. With that, thank you. This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you've asked a question last week, Please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand.